Welcome to a Script to Screen workshop podcast. Script to Screen is a charitable organisation developing the craft and culture of storytelling for the screen in Aotearoa, New Zealand. In May 2021, Script to Screen partnered with the Aotearoa Screen Publicists Collective to present the A to Z of screen publicity wānanga. The aim of the workshop was to show the many ways screen publicists can work alongside creatives to ensure their stories are discovered and watched by their target audiences. The sessions were recorded and this is one of 10 that you can listen to. Each session has its own whakatauki befitting the theme of the discussion. Ko te kai a te rangatira, he kōrero. The food of chiefs is talk. Welcome to Discovering Our Abilities. This session is the introduction to the workshop. You'll hear from Sue May, a founding member of the Aotearoa Screen Publicist Collective, Jackie Dennis, Executive Director of Script to Screen, Amy Mills, Head of Funding at New Zealand On Air, and Gemma Gracewood, that's me, founding member of the Aotearoa Screen Publicist Collective and Editor-in-Chief at Letterboxd. We're talking about the purpose of the wānanga. Kia maumaharatato, kia rato, kua hinga atu, kua naro, ki tua o te arai, haere, haere, haere. He mihi atu ki uh, te iwi Ngāti Whātua o Ōrāke, te ira nutu, te tau, me te oho, tainoa atu e nga iwi mana whenua, e pānga ana ki tēnei rohi ātāhua tāmaki makaurau. Kia ora tātou, kua hui hui mai nei mō tēnei wānanga, e pāna ki nga minenga mō nga hōtaka, me te um, mahi whakanui i a rātou. Ko tā tātou moe moe ane. Kia pai tā tātou mahi i tēnei kaupapa tino whakahirihira. Kia kaha, kia maia, kia manawanui. No mai, haere mai. Ko wai tēnei e tūnei. Nō e ngārangi mei airana o kutupuna i nā mā wao mua. I noho rātou i roto i te rohi o te iwi nā ruahine i Taranaki ki te tonga. Ko nā ti pākeha mātou katoa. He tangata tiriti ahau. Ko mei rātou ko Dodd, ko Lloyd, ko Clements o Kuhapu, ko Sumei toku ingoa, ko Huhana rānei. He kaiwhakaputakiriata taku mahi. He tauera ahau i te reo Māori, te reo rangatira. Ka huri ahau anayanei ki te reo Pākeha. Our poārahi, our cultural leader, <laughs> Eruera Morgan, um, as part of, he's working alongside ASPIC to um, align us with the uh, normalisation aspect of Maihi Corona, the Crown Māori Language Strategy, which says, Kia mā hora hora te reo. Everywhere, every way, for everyone. 
Script to Screen's vision is that screen-based storytelling is practiced, celebrated and shared as an integral part of New Zealanders' lives. And everyone here is a part of that process, so we're hoping that you share our vision. A large part of Script to Screen's work is running workshops and residential labs to support and empower talented screen practitioners to write exceptional stories for the screen. When Gemma Gracewood called me at the end of last year to ask if script to, to ask if script to screen would be interested in partnering with what wasn't even named then, the Aotearoa Screen Publicist Collective, for this A to Z publicity workshop, I was immediately engaged and said yes. It's heartbreaking for us when we see writers, directors and producers spend years developing projects, producing projects, and it slips away, having only been seen by a small proportion of its potential audience. So, of course, we wanted to be part of the conversation about what can be done to ensure all that mahi in development leads to a production that has fully considered how to reach its audience. The aim of today is to increase the knowledge and strengthen the capability of everybody here so New Zealanders are able to find out about and watch more local productions, whether it be broadcast, on free-to-air, via the web, a platform, or a cinema. You'll be hearing about many, the many ways screen publicists can work alongside creatives. You'd think I'd remember. To ensure their stories are discovered. You will also get insight into the changing nature of viewing habits, shifts in media, and the ever-evolving world of social media. Aotearoa Screen Publicist Collective have created an in-depth program with so many learned speakers who are experts in their field. It's a really impressive program. Tēnā koutou, katoa, falcha, no mai, haere mai ki te tēnei wānanga. As Alison Jones writes in her recent memoir, This Unsettled Life, I exist in the Pākehā state of permanent, lively discomfort. My reo adventures are really only beginning, so aroha mai for the bounteous English that follows. Ko Gemma Gracewood, taku ingoa, ko ngati pākeha te iwi. I papa mostly to Ireland, slancha to my Irish cousins, uh, also to Manchester, to Denmark, and faintly to Italy. The first of my ancestors sailed to Aotearoa in 1845 on um, unimpressive business. The last arrived here in 1913, uh, over 100 years ago now. These unsettling settlers are my ignoble pioneers. I was born in Lower Hutt. As a wee girl in Nainai, it was the skyscraper of Avalon Studios that first sparked my passion for working in TV and film. Uh, I then spent all of my school years in Papatoitoi. And as an adult, I've lived in Te Whanganui Atara, Te Aporonui, New York, and now back in Tamaki, Makoto. I think the reason I am here today, an interloping producer-writer in a field of our most seasoned publicists, our industry's best, uh, dates back to a family story about Gemma's campground tradition. We went camping a lot. As my parents wrangled the huge old canvas tent, which seemed to take half a day to put up, my sister always would sneak off under a tree with a book, 
my brothers would find a sand dune to throw themselves down and um, I would disappear for several hours, only to return with a full report of every single other family at the campground, names, ages, names and ages of their children, which family had the kayak for fishing and which family had the fish smoker, uh, who were the bridge players that my mum and dad could pair up with, who had the library of books that my sister could borrow from, who had the guitars, who had the gin, and which kids were most likely to join me in putting on a show. So yes, I was casing out the audience from day dot. Since then, I have worked in uh, so many areas of audience discovery as a performer on stage, as an audience member, as the media interviewing the artists, as the publicist pitching the media, as the producer engaging the publicist, and now as an editor-in-chief of a platform for film lovers, I have an inbox full of press releases and a team of writers ready for their commissions. Not very far into a 1990s side hustle as a theatre publicist, go in the basement, uh, I met Sue May, who was already a legend in our industry for many reasons. But at that time, she was Lucy Lawless's point person for Xena Warrior Princess and running publicity for events like the New Zealand Film Awards. Remember when we had those? Assisting Sue for a spell, being mentored by this trailblazer, was really the first time I observed the hidden powers, the hidden superpowers of a publicist. Until then, I'd done the basics, cast photos, media releases, begging for press coverage, um, accompanying actors up to BFM for their Sunday morning interview. But there's so much more to it, much of it involving a high level of thinking, incredibly interesting sideways takes on your story, very elegant diplomacy skills, a deep empathy and much duty of care, including for oneself. The thing about being a publicist is you never know what's coming, so you have to always be ready and keep 5% contingency for yourself, which I failed to do last night as I was up till 12.30 working on notes and then got the 5 a.m. nightmare from the five-year-old. So, morning. Uh, <laughs> um, just a show of hands from the publicists in the room. Who else is dealing just invisibly with a cluster funk right now while being here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's the reality. Um, a publicist's work is mostly unseen and that's kind of the point. But it does mean that publicity itself can become a neglected cousin of production, especially when your unit stills day gets totally uh, swallowed by necessary pickups. Or when the rules and guidelines around budgeting for publicity and marketing of publicly funded stories on the small screen have been opaque at best. If you're a big show, you might benefit from the heft of a broadcaster's publicity and marketing department. And that is how I first met Chris Henry. I got him on a panel about social media some time ago when he was at Shortland Street, at Shortland Tweet, one of my favorite Twitter accounts. Later, he got me to do Q&As with Jackie Van Beek and Madeline Sami for the Breaker Upperers. Tamar Munch is a living legend to anyone who has had a family member as a cast member on Shortland Street in her time there. If you want to talk duty of care, I would start with Tamar's deft and confidential touch. As fellow contributors to the Nine to Noon show on RNZ, a year or so ago, Tamar and I were at the Christmas party and we got chatting and 
she told me about uh, some personal research she'd done into local media coverage of locally funded television shows. It was dire. And Tamar will tell us more about that today. And then last year, Courtney, Mayhew and I met and bonded as the Maori ladies on the microphone at a WIFT event, Amy was there, to introduce New Zealand On Air's Cameron Harland. That evening was the first time we heard that New Zealand On Air were interested in interrogating their long-held practice of putting all the putia on the screen. They were interested in publicity and marketing becoming a decent line in the budget and immeasurable audience data as an area of need. COVID has put a lot of spanners in a lot of works and it has created some opportunities, including bringing court back to us from Australia and uh, creating a COVID capability building fund at New Zealand On Air. So one thing that felt immediately useful, a workshop, a mentoring scheme, and the formation of a collective of people working in screen publicity, which had never been done before. Courtney and I got on the phone with Amy and her team and um, next minute we partnered with the wonderful Script to Screen, not only because Script to Screen run incredible events that always seem to let fresh air into the room, but also because publicists are storytellers. And we want this event to very much be about the storytelling power of our part of the industry. The Aotearoa Screen Publicist Collective is a new wee beast. It's barely yet formed. Uh, an official launch will happen and soon. To be honest, and in keeping with the Pākehā state of permanent lively discomfort, we just kind of got cracking uh, with the full intention after this workshop of expanding the collective and very much partnering with Māori. For now, we five, Sue, Tamar, Chris, Courtney and myself, consider ourselves only an interim committee. We've already looped in more friends. Adria Buckton, Leander Borat, Rachel Kerewer and Brooke Howe will be making appearances this weekend. Our dream is for the collective to work for the greater good of Aotearoa's screen industry and to ensure the long-term health of our screen sector's ecosystem, which also includes audiences and the media, as well as those working in the industry itself. Our vision is for people coming up in our industry to feel a place of belonging so they can see this as a viable career path and find like-minded people to gain mentorship and skills from. We hope to create more recognition and support and resources for the people who are conduits between your stories and their audiences. We want to share our collective energies so that our stories can travel offshore with the wind at their backs. The whakatauki for this opening session is Ko te kai a te rangatira he kōrero. The food of chiefs is talk. One thing I think of when I consider this whakatauki, rightly or wrongly, is the most valuable tool in the publicity toolbox, the one that we have the least power over, but that we love the most, and that is word of mouth. The practice of one person telling another about something they need to see. The taste and trust embedded in their act is everything. Ko te noh toku maunga, ko te urn toku awa, no ko te rani toku whaia, ko Dan toku hoa tānei, ko Maisie taku tamahine, um, no poneki e noho ana o poneki uh, inainei, uh, 
he pū tūku pūtia ahau nō irarangi tamotu, ko Amy Mills tōku ingoa. Uh, nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou katoa. Uh, it's very intimidating but thrilling to be in the room and it's a beautiful room and um, deeply grateful to be here and it's one of those um, rare times when you just, uh, I mean, we're here to listen and learn. So the, the sort of the genesis of this and how quickly uh, Aotearoa Screen Publicity Board and Script to Screen have pulled this together is mind-numbing. I thought I was busy and it's just what they've done is absolutely amazing. Uh, I don't want to keep you long because I want us to be able to get into it, but I thought we I would give a really quick potted history of New Zealand on air just in terms of the place and why we're here in it and hopefully some context that might be useful as you move forward across the next two days. So just very briefly, um, for those that maybe aren't all that familiar with um, Irirangi Tamotsu, New Zealand on air, we are a cultural agency and we fund public media content, so often defined as the type of content that might not otherwise get made or survive in a commercial media market. There's $80 million a year that we call contestable funding, which means that um, production companies coming alongside a platform attached come in to seek the funding to make content, and we split it broadly, $40 million for scripted and $40 million for factual. And in 2017, um, it predates me joining New Zealand On Air, but we, we had an overhaul of the strategy, which had historically, because of the way the media landscape looked, it had been geared towards funding content for television. And obviously that had to change. So in 2017, we shifted to something called the New Zealand Media Fund. And the idea was this is a platform agnostic fund. So you're coming in for content, but it could go on any sort of viable local platform in New Zealand. And I think between one funding round and the next, when that policy changed, it went from something like 18 platforms to 34. So immediately content and where it went fragmented, which I think sometimes has a myth that that was a really negative thing. But actually, I think the reality is that that's a really powerful indication of where audiences are and where targeted audiences need to go, targeted content needs to reach, it, reach its audiences. So historically, because of the way the fund had been set up, as Gemma mentioned, there was this, the overriding philosophy was every dollar spent on content. And because we fund content um, that has a platform attached to it, the philosophy was, well, it's the platform's responsibility. They know their audience. They will market that content and they will reach their audiences with it. And then we just fund the content and every dollar goes towards it if possible. And so we call that the kind of three-legged stool model. So it's the funder, the producer, and the platform kind of working in, in collaboration. What has become clear over the years and what we did recently was we did an audit. So we did a review of the whole New Zealand Media Fund. It's a huge document that's available on our website if anyone has a long rainy afternoon and is bored enough. I mean, I found it the most fascinating document ever. It was like being given the kind of manual for how to do your job. But that one of the findings that was really clear but was articulated quite explicitly was we are seeing declining TV audiences, so therefore we are reaching fewer people with that model. And that is not an indictment on the broadcasters themselves. It's the changing nature of the audiences and what's happening. But of course, as a funding agency, we then have to acknowledge that then the policies that we're operating under are probably not serving the audiences as best they can. So that was the kind of the genesis of the WIFT um, conversation that came up that, that Gemma mentioned um, that I just, I loved that moment because I remember seeing Courtney speak up and I was like, who are these women? <laughs> they are amazing. And so we kind of zeroed in on each other afterwards to sort of say, well, what could change and what could happen and how do we need to start having these, these conversations? So part of the, the goals of the NZMF talk about us funding quality um, 
quality content, diverse content, discoverable content. So discoverability has become the sort of heart of where we need to be thinking moving forward is how do we reach New Zealand audiences with this amazing content. So this then in invariably comes with a real challenge for us because the more that funding is um, split across content and promotion, the less content can be made. So one of the challenges that I, you know, one of the provocations I'd put to you guys this weekend to be thinking about and talking about is the importance of how we collectively will be able to demonstrate that yes, less content might be made, but actually off the back of it, there were better audience outcomes and audience engagement. That's particularly important to us because we have, there are tensions, I think, in terms of what we can fund because we are trying to reach as many New Zealand eyeballs as possible. You know, it's taxpayer money, so you want to be able to reach as many New Zealanders as possible, but we also acknowledge that we are representing and creating content for audiences that are often underrepresented. And so the, the ability there for us to be able to talk about eyeballs and reach being important, but it's not the only thing. And I feel like so many of you in the room would operate in the space where you know that your content being made has cultural and social impact. And so how can we better demonstrate and measure that? Because I think from NZ On Air's perspective, that's the sort of golden place is when we can start talking about and we use language like um, maybe like resonance ranking with content. It might not just be about reach and eyeballs. It actually might be about what was the critical acclaim or what was some social impact and actually what was the public sentiment around that content and did we see changes happen as a result of it. So if you could hold that in your minds across the next two day, that, days, that would be wonderful because we're really keen to start understanding how can we ask for the right kind of data and measurement that can reflect that back. Can I just put that provocation on the floor? Thanks, Jackie. Awesome. Um, and then another, um, just briefly, to and Sophie gave a really great example of specific initiatives we're doing. I would place this one as one of the most important because as Jim said, I think this is where you start to have the, the collective and the, the idea that as we start to talk, we'll start to figure this out. So we really mean it when we say we're here to listen and learn. And if we can see ways that we can shape the policies and how we're defining what we're doing to respond to where you guys see the opportunities are, that's what these two days can be. So we're incredibly excited about what that could look like. And I'd also note that we did another initiative similar to what Sophie mentioned with the youth request for proposals where we worked really closely with um, the Pan-Asian Screen Collective. We ran around in January, March, which was targeted towards Pan-Asian creators creating factual content. Um, and again, we were explicit in the guidelines that went out that said um, we would be welcome to seeing marketing line items in the budget and items that might talk to publicity or promotion. They have to be really clearly articulated as to why they're there and what they want to achieve. The thing that was quite fascinating for me as a learning was that even though that was in there and even though there were applicants who I know were in that space and had actually sort of previously in the past said it would be amazing if NZ On Air could consider what that might look like, they still didn't um, seek additional funding to do it. And I actually had to ring up and be like, but it was in the guidelines. And the feedback was, but we were still trying to keep the budget at a low enough level that we felt that it was palatable. So I think what we realise is that we are going to have to keep having this conversation regularly and keep talking about it so that it starts to feel more normalised as to what we're looking for. There's always going to be the voices, I think, that challenge that say, you're going to open the floodgates and so much money is going to come in asking for publicity that the outcomes for content are going to be that 
that's significantly reduced. So again, we're going to have to be smart about how we assess and how we look at what's coming into us. And I think anyone just coming in with a ceiling of amount of money that they're seeking without a really clear plan in place about how they're going to reach audiences, it probably won't fly. So there will be quite a lot of expectation of the level of commitment and detail that we see in proposals coming into us. And then the other thing to add in terms of a kind of specific initiative or an emphasis is that we've just hired a really amazing wahine called Kat Goodwin. I think she's come across from OND. She's their insights director, I think, but she just lives and breathes data. So she brings nothing, no more, like the joy that she gets from making meaning out of data is massive. So her brief is actually going to be working towards how might we define some standardised metrics. So this idea of almost like an audience minute that might make sense across whether it's television, whether it's um, straight onto TVNZ On Demand, whether you're able to actually pull in social media video stats of its video content, but actually talk about data that might feel like it could be broadly standardised across platforms. It's a bit of a holy grail and I'm sure there's no, there is no one answer to that, but it's just to let you all know as well that we're trying to bring in internal capability to be able to do that uh, side. And as I mentioned before, the, the key focus for us trying to be how, how do we talk about what success looks like beyond just eyeballs, so actually about cultural and social impact. The A to Z of Publicity Workshop podcasts are proudly supported by New Zealand On Air's Industry Development Fund, the US Embassy, and Images and Sound. Music for the podcast was provided by Poddington Bear, Fakatoki by Lalena Feunati, and voiceover by Gemma Gracewood. Kia ora.